Welcome to the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom style. Zoom style. <laughs> Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow me, yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by going to our website, weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L radio.com. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming uh, by simply typing in your search engine box, War on Anchor. We'll kick you over to Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Wherever you download your podcast, make sure you type in that search engine box War on Anchor, W-A-R-R on Anchor. We're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media. You can only not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. And thank you for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. And we are unapologetically fun. Lakina, uh, introduce our guest for this segment. Oh, well, you know, you guys have probably heard him on ESPN, the Big Ten Network, doing Loyola UIC hoops on NBC Sports Chicago, also on WGN Radio. We've had him on the show before. That, that's my fault we haven't had him in a, in a while, but we're happy he's with us today. At Jordan Burnfield on Twitter, he is Jordan Burnfield. Jordan, how are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. How are you? We're doing, doing well. good. Finally, the weather's warming up, so that, that's even better, I think, for all of us. <laughs> we can all agree on that. So, Jordan, let's start with college hoops. Um, we'll start locally with with uh, with Illinois. Um, you know, Iola DeSumo has you know has to wear that mask now. It looks like you know with a broken nose, but they've been but he's been playing very well, and so was the Illini. Do you think they can you know make a really deep run in March? I do. If Iowa is healthy, I think Illinois certainly has a great chance to make a deep run in March. I think the one thing I would say about this Illini team is that as well as they've played of late. You know, they'd won seven in a row before being upset by Michigan State. I know they came back and won yesterday against Nebraska. They've been a top five to ten team talent-wise all year. But I don't think that they always play like it. So some of my concern with Illinois comes down to whether they can play to, to their level consistently in the NCAA tournament. You know, you don't get time to make mistakes – when you get into that one-and-done kind of setting, obviously. And Illinois, at times, looks like a team that could win the national championship. At other times, they look like a team that's a little bit frenetic. They still have some young guards that they use a lot, guys like Carbello and Miller, who make freshman mistakes. And so I think Illinois certainly has the talent to go deep. I certainly think that they would not shock me if they ended up in the final four by any stretch, because they have the talent to do it. But I just think that the one concern I have for Illinois is that they are less consistent than a top 10 team would typically be. Is speaking of the Illini, Jordan, of course, during this time of year, going into the big dance, you need guard play, you need inside presses. And the Illini have that with DeSumo and Kofi Coburn. Who's their third guy? That, that needs to just step up barring injuries because, you, as we all know, mistakes happen, foul trouble especially. Uh, who's that third guy that, that needs to step up for Illinois? Is it Grandinson? Is it Trent Frazier? Or is it an unsung guy that, that we don't know about on the roster? Yeah, Sid, I think it's Trent Frazier. The reason is mm -hmm. 
when you have a senior, you know, senior leadership sometimes is used as a cliche in college basketball, but I think on this particular team, he's able to settle them down from an offensive standpoint. He's a guy that's been through some of those wars, right? Over the course mm-hmm. of a four-year period, you know, you've been in a lot of those situations. He's one of those guys. So I think that he is a player who is critical to their success. I mean, Andre Curbelo is a kid who handles the ball a lot. He's young, and so he does make some mistakes. His upside is really high. I'd like to see Adam Miller shoot the ball better than he has. Another guy that I would say is, you know, Georgie Bishanishvili, who I think at times has looked great. You know, at other times he gets overshadowed by Kofi Coburn because, and that guy is just a beast down low, obviously. But I think that, you know, a lot of the attention, obviously for good reason, goes to Desunmu and to Coburn. But I don't think that those two guys are going to win the tournament by themselves for Illinois. They're going to need some of those role players to come through. I think it starts with Frazier, but I think that some of those other guys I mentioned are also going to have to play well because, as you guys know, too, any team that wins a championship or gets to the Final Four has to have multiple players contribute. And I think that that's certainly true for Illinois. Another local team that's making noise, Jordan, is Loyola. I know you get a chance, you know, to watch, you know, to call some of their games on NBC Sports Chicago with Jeff Dickerson. Um, Cameron Crutwig, who, you know, we've been raving about him for like the last few weeks. Um, do you think Loyola could probably perhaps maybe make another deep run in the tournament, you know, or if they, you know, perhaps maybe somehow lose in the conference tournament, the reserve conference tournament, will they still get in regardless? Yeah, Lakina, I think, first of all, Loyola is going to get into the tournament regardless. The reason I think that is because their net rating is 10. They have no bad losses this season. And so when you look at their resume, I mean, obviously, if you're Porter Moser's team, you'd like to go as deep in the Valley Tournament as you can if you don't win it. But I think any idea that they, that they are not one of the best you know, 34-ish at-large teams is crazy, right? I mean, they're, they're ranked in the top 25 for a reason. And the Missouri Valley Conference might have two teams that come out of that league and go to the NCAA tournament as it is. So I think the Valley is better. It's proving that it's not just a one-bid league this year, which is good for college basketball. And I think Loyola should definitely be in regardless. With regard to how deep they can go, the one thing I would say is it is a little bit matchup dependent, right? Because Loyola is going to get in probably depending on how things finish out, perhaps if they win Valley tournament and they go on a, you know, six, seven, eight game winning streak in order to do that, maybe you end up with a six seed or something like that, or a five seed. But as of right now, they're looking like they're probably around an eight, nine seed. That said, if you win your first round matchup, you might get the one seed in the next round, right? In, in the way that this tournament is. So I think that they are certainly capable of making another deep run. I do think they're one of the best teams in the country. And perhaps I have some bias, but I I really think that when you look objectively at the sum of their parts, there's really nothing not to like. They have the best scoring defense in America. Their net rating is 10. When you have as good a defensive team as they have, and you consistently are a 50% or better shooting team offensively, which is something Porter Moser teams have done really over the last five, six years since they've been competitive, you know, they have all the ingredients to win in the tournament. The other thing I would say 
is yes, it starts with Cameron Crutwig, who I think is one of the best big men in America for sure. But Loyola has the guard depth that is required for a team on its level to make a a deep tournament run. Lucas Williamson, their starting two guard, was a sixth man on that final four team three years ago. But Braden Norris is a really good floor general as a point guard. Keith Clemens has been tremendous as a starter or as a guy coming off the bench for this Loyola team. And it just goes down the line. I mean, they, you know, Cooper Kafis, who was a big part of this team two years ago, really hasn't gotten a whole lot of time because they're so deep. But as a guy that in a tournament setting might be able to hit two or three threes for you. You know, you just keep going down the line of guards that they have. Marquise Kennedy, who I hadn't even mentioned yet, kid out of Chicago, I think would start for almost any other Missouri Valley Conference team. The only reason he's not starting is because Loyola has so much guard depth. So I guess what I'm saying is I think they have all the pieces to make a deep run. But again, it does come down to matchup. And if they were to get a Gonzaga or a Baylor in the second round, I think those are the two best teams in the country. It's not to say Loyola couldn't beat them in one game, but it'd be much harder for me to see a deep tournament run if that's who they'd have to get through in the second round. College basketball TV voice Jordan Burnfield joins us here on the weekend edition of Second City Sports. I'm I'm Cindy Brown along with Lakina McGee as we talk college basketball. Jordan, let's stay with Loyola Ramblers for a moment. Porter Moser, the head coach who I like a lot, I know you've been around him uh, calling games uh, many times. From the outside looking in, he seems like he's a positive, high-energy guy. He had a chance to cash in his his cash in his ticket a couple of years ago with that rumor to St. John's a couple of years ago following their final four appearance, but he decided to stay in Chicago. Uh, talk to us about that impact. It looks like it's starting to pay off right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Porter Moser, listen, I, I started calling Loyola games the year he was hired. And so I've known him for 11 years now. And I think Porter Moser is as genuine, as good a guy as you'll meet. I meet a lot of coaches I know a lot of coaches, talk to a lot of coaches. He is as good as they come, and he is, everything about him is real. What I loved about their final four run three years ago is that when he was then finally exposed on a national level the way that they had not previously been, nothing about him changed. I mean, that's who he is. He is a high-energy positive guy. He is a guy that when you don't need to do anything to get him going, Like when we start chatting, whether it's in his office or we're on the phone or whatever, like that's how he is. He is a super positive guy. He is very much as a coach, someone who is willing to learn, but is also really devoted in his sort of philosophy to following the guys that helped him get to where he is. Rick Majerus was a huge influence on him. And I guarantee you, if you ever have the chance to talk to Porter, you could set an over-under on 90 seconds before Rick Majerus's name comes up in a conversation about college basketball. So a lot of his basketball philosophy comes from Majerus, which obviously was a, you know, he was a great coach and a good guy to learn from and certainly has helped Porter along. And the other thing I would say about Porter with his respect to his success, and listen, if, if he stays at Loyola, he's going to go down as the greatest coach in Loyola basketball history. <laughs> and at Loyola, there was a lot of good history, right? I mean, you're talking about Mm -hmm. when George Ireland took them to the only national championship win in the state of Illinois in college basketball in 1963. 
Um, they obviously had a great run in the 80s with Al Frederick Hughes. So it's not as if Loyola doesn't have the college basketball history. They do, even though some other teams in the state have a less prosperous uh, college basketball history. Loyola has it. And so, you know, I think by the end of Porter Moser's career, he will certainly have the most wins and all that stuff if he stays. But I think that he has – he's a Chicago guy, Naperville guy, as I think you guys know. Yeah, and he okay. has the demeanor, um, the sort of genuine sense about him, and understands how to run a program in a way that works. And so when, even when Loyola was building, when they hired him, they were still in the Horizon League. They made a jump mm-hmm. to the Valley. It took some years for him to get everything built up there. So Loyola's credit, they let him do it, right? Sometimes yeah. – Coaches are fired in three years and they never get the opportunity to realize their vision. Porter was given that opportunity and now you're seeing what it means. I think the final four team from 2018 has allowed a little bit of a recruiting bump where he is now getting the kinds of players that perhaps he might not have gotten before, but to Porter's credit, and this is something he would tell you, he is not veered from bringing in the kinds of players that he wants to bring in, guys that he thinks fit Loyola's culture, he's not willing to bend on that. But perhaps he's able to get some guys that are a little bit more talented that fit that culture. So I think as long as Porter stays, and I hope he does selfishly, I don't (laughs) think Loyola's going anywhere. I mean, I think this is going to be a team sort of like what Ben Jacobson has done at UNI that's going to be in the mix every year for a 10 to 15 year period, as long as Porter Moser is on the sideline. I think he's the real deal. He's one of my favorite coaches to cover personally because he has always been, you know, just a real guy and a nice guy and a genuine guy from that first day, even when Loyola was not being paid attention to at all in Chicago and the success hasn't changed him. So, you know, I I think that uh, he's great and I hope that he stays with Loyola for a long time. Heading down to home stretch with Jordan Burnfield here on Second City Sports Zoom style. Jordan, your uh, your good friend and colleague Adam Ho came out with an article, you know, saying that the Bears probably should have maybe move to Arlington, you know, Raceway because for those who don't know, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently, I guess you know Churchill Downs is selling the land, and some people have said Adam and others have said that maybe perhaps the Bears should probably move to playing home games over there, <laughs> over down in Arlington. Do you think it's a good idea, and how do you feel about that? <laughs> to be honest, I do think it's a good idea, and I saw Adam's piece, and I thought he did a great job on it. You know, I, I am not a huge fan of Soldier Field. If I can just be frank about this, I think it's hard to get to. I think it's impossible to park there. And it's, you know, for fans that are going to the game, who many of which are coming in from the outside, you're parking way away from the stadium. You're walking forever just to try to get in close there. The closest train stop is Roosevelt. And for those of us who have taken it, who live in the city, I mean, you're talking about, you guys I'm sure have done this before. It takes you like 45 minutes to walk yeah. into Soldier yep. Field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're walking through a mob scene of people to try oh, to get gosh. back to the truck. I mean, it's a disaster, right? So mm-hmm. to me, like, I shouldn't have to mortgage an entire Sunday just to go to a Bears game. And I think that's what it costs Chicagoans right now if you want to go to a game. To me, Soldier Field, where it is, was like one of those ideas that city planners look at and they go, ooh, football stadium on the lake, great idea, 
along the Chicago skyline. Awesome, 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 right? But then when you think about like the logistics of actually having it there, terrible idea. Yeah. I mean, really, it is. So I think that if they were to move, I mean, I think Arlington Park, certainly I get, I understand it's, a, it's available and it's got the land and they could do it and all that. It's further from the city than I would suppose the Bears would want to be. But the Bears practice facility is in Lake Forest, which is nowhere near downtown Chicago. And they have all that land out there. And I think that for people who want to go to a game, you know, they're willing to drive and do it, especially if there's parking and logistical accommodations that didn't exist before. The final thing I would say is Soldier Field, because of its current situation, you know, it's owned by the city and there are limitations on what the Bears can and cannot do. Furthermore, it's too small to host a Super Bowl. They can't put a dome on it. I mean, there's just a lot of things that are not ideal. Don't get me wrong. When you're walking up to Soldier Field and you're right by the, the museums there and you're right on the lake, you're like, wow, this is great. It's beautiful here. But it's sort of how I feel about Northerly Island, right? Like if you ever went to a concert in Northerly Island, you're looking at the stage and then you're looking to your left and you see the skyline, you're looking to your right and there's the water and you're like, this is great. But then you're like, it took me an hour just to walk into this place. Right. So yeah. I just feel like maybe it's because I don't feel like I'm old. I still feel like I'm a young person. Maybe I'm just becoming an old person right now, but I just feel like from a convenience and a logistics standpoint, I would rather have it in a place where it's easy to get in and easy to get out. You can still enjoy the experience. It doesn't hurt the Cowboys that they're in Arlington, Texas, right? You know, or Irving or wherever they are. So like, you know, I don't, I don't think it matters if they're in Chicago city limits. Uh, go ahead. Dave. Last, yeah. Last question for me, Jordan. I know you're a big time Chicago Cubs fan. And I know that the White Sox are getting the attention right now, rightfully so, but uh, realistically, what is your, uh, feeling going into this season for the Chicago Cubs. I know technically they're the defending division champions. John Lester, they said goodbye to him, but you give Jake Arrieta a little bit more money than you offered Lester. Jack Peterson is in left field now. You say goodbye to Cal Schwarber. Realistically, do you see this Cubs team uh, repeating this division champs, and do you see Chris Bryant being traded at all uh, before the trade deadline? Realistically, I don't think they're going to be repeating as division champions. Do I think that they could compete? Maybe. I think the way they compete is if the offensive talent that they have all performs at the same time, which they really have not had yeah. since the second half of the 2017 season. Secondly, mm -hmm. I think that if Jake Arrieta is – I mean, there's no way he's going to be the previous Jake Arrieta, right? But if right. Jake Arrieta is a – good pitcher for the Cubs and not sort of the average-ish, below average pitcher that he was for Philadelphia, perhaps they're in the race. I think that realistically, my opinion is the Cubs wanted to rebuild. They couldn't get on the open market what they thought they would get for a lot of these pieces. So they mm -hmm. then decided, we're just going to go for it with what we have. We're going to try to be competitive. And if things break our way, we'll be in the mix. And if they don't, they have options. And one of those would be to trade away a bunch of these pieces. Sid, you asked about Chris Bryant. I think Chris Bryant will be on this team if they're good. And if they're not good, or Chris Bryant is having a great year and they're not good, they'll trade him. You know, I think that the way that they're set up 
for 21. You know, part of my sense of the talk around the Cubs is people are being too singular in one path in the way of looking at this. I think the Cubs are looking at this as a total open canvas kind of season, right? If we're good, great. Maybe we win the division. We give ourselves a shot. If we're not good, but we have individual players that are performing well, then maybe we trade them, right? Like the rebuilding effort could start during this season if things break in a way where the Cubs are not competitive, but they have certain guys who on the trade market would net them value to help get this rebuild going. Because the last rebuild was so sort of linear in that they knocked it down to the ground and rebuilt every single year, I think people now sort of think that's the only way to do it. I think what the way that the Cubs are doing it now is they're giving themselves a chance to maybe be in it, but if they don't win and it just doesn't work out for them, then they'll blow it up. And then by the end of the season, if they're not winning, but they have guys that they were able to trade and get requisite value for, maybe they're no longer in contention for 22 or 23, but they're building for 24. So I think this is kind of an open season. I could totally see the Cubs winning 85 games if things broke right. I could see them winning 70 games if things go south. You know, I think it's, it's really up in the air. And my guess is, even though Jed Hoyer can't say this publicly because he obviously wants the Cubs to have a pretty good season, yeah. he's got plans in place for if the team is not good, re-engaging with some of these teams that have been rumored and saying, what's going to take? You know, how many prospects can I get? for a Chris Bryant or whoever. You can, you, can watch, you can watch him on ESPN, Big Ten Network, also NBC Sports Chicago doing Loyola and UIC games. But you can also listen to him on WGN Radio later on today and every weekday at Jordan Burfield on Twitter. Jordan Burfield, thank you so much for joining us. And I promise it will not be the last time you'll be on our, on our show. I promise. <laughs> Do not worry. It's my pleasure, Sid Lakina. It's always great to talk to you guys, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. No, absolutely. Right, thanks, Jordan. Thank you. All right, you. Take care. Stay safe. You too. Okay. Bye. All right, Jordan. Take care. All right, Sid. So, where do you want to? Where do you want to go? We got a few. Uh, I want to. Yeah, I want to go back to college basketball for uh, just a moment, uh, just to wrap up here. We're on, on the other side. We'll give you our, our games to watch uh, for this upcoming weekend for Saturday, Sunday, college basketball. That's on the other side, but. To wrap up uh, the Illinois basketball talk, uh, the final line night, I was impressed by their win on Thursday night against Nebraska. Of course, they did it without Dusumu, but I don't know if Dusumu will be back for Saturday. If you listen to this, which is today on a Saturday, I, I don't know if he's going to be back for the Wisconsin game. But after that, you um, the, the makeup game against Michigan will be on Tuesday. Tuesday night, and so I'm assuming if he doesn't play the Wisconsin game, I'm guaranteed he'll be back for that Michigan game then, yeah. and then they have a, another game or two, and that'll be it as far as regular season is concerned. I know people uh, before the injury were talking about where Illinois did they have now, so I try to get a, a number one seed. I think that's all but gone now. But if they continue to pile up the wins before the conference tournament without suffering the losses despite this injury, maybe they still have an outside shot, but. Uh, I, I forgot to ask Jordan this, but we were on a time limit. Uh, Michigan, they're clearly the, the the best team in the Big Ten. I know Illinois is right on their heels. Uh, like I said, the game on Tuesday will, will tell a whole lot. But watching Michigan, their last three games, I, um, 
me personally, Lakina, like I said, as a fan, I'm cheering for Jawan Howard outside of Illinois, of course. But Jawan Howard, from he's from Chicago. But I like Isaiah Livers. He really makes that team go. If they have two or three other players that would help him out, uh, should he struggle. Michigan is a well-balanced team. I like their – I don't have their roster in front of me, but they have their freshman big man. I was watching that game the other day from the weekend against Ohio State. And uh, he was really playing good. So Michigan has a uh, has a well balancing. They they actually improved from a year ago. Remember on our radio show, we I complained about that how they shot too many threes. They still do that, but they have, they have a, a more of a well balanced team. They're going to be a tough out as well. Ohio State has struggled as I mentioned. They lost at home to Michigan last Sunday afternoon. Of course, they lost to uh, Michigan State the yeah. other night. And so I still say watch out for uh, for Ohio State, but they've been struggling these last couple of games. Also, Iowa has picked it up too. But uh, my here's here's the thing I wanted to get across. Wanted to ask Jordan, but we didn't have time. I think you may see between six. I think eight is stretching it, but you may be see between six and eight teams qualify for this year's uh, NCAA March Madness. Yeah, I could, I could definitely see that. Because the Big Ten is not the best conference in America from start to finish. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think you're definitely going to probably get six to eight Big Ten teams. And, look, I really like Michigan. I think, you know, Franz Wagner, I think that's who you're looking – that's who you're looking for. You know, and he's a big man. And that Hunter Dickinson, I think that's the guy you were talking about. Yeah, Dickinson, big, yes, yes. Yes, that big guy. He was very impressive at Ohio State last could Sunday. Very, could very well end up being Big Ten player of the year, I think. You know, either one of those Michigan players just shows you how good they are. And like you said, so I think they're more well balanced. I think, you know, Juwan Howard even said that the last, you know, last year they did depend on the three a little bit too much, but now they've got balance both inside and out. So they could probably, you know, cut, you know, cut in between, you know, Baylor and Gonzaga. So we'll see, we'll see what they do. And as far as, you know, the conference as a whole, I mean, I, I think, I think I saw someone in Minnesota had a bad loss yesterday to Northwestern. So that does not, that, that won't help your chances in the big, and, you know, to get into the, the, to, to the attorney, that's not good. I'm sure, you know, Richard Bertino is probably, you know, not, was not amused by that loss. But, um, look, I think it's going to be kind of a free-for-all, you know, actually who gets in. I think Michigan kind of played themselves in with that win last night against Ohio State or Thursday, I should say, against Ohio State. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Purdue, I mean, yeah, Michigan, Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa, Wisconsin will probably get in. Rutgers will probably get into Maybe yeah. Purdue, Maryland probably is trying to you know claw their way in. Mm-hmm. Maybe Indiana, you know. I think I think if you're you know Minnesota, I think you're not helping yourself with you know with your conference you know the conference mm-hmm. scheduling. It's not good at all. But uh, it's gonna be just it's gonna be a free for all to see. Like especially once the Big Ten tourney starts, there's gonna be a lot of teams that are gonna try to play their way in. And yeah. plus, you know, with some conferences not you know with the Ivy League not playing this year and a couple other conferences too, it's basically opens up you know a couple other spots. So where are those spots coming from? We'll talk a little bit more about that on the other side, but you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what what happens with the Big Ten, you know, conference like that. Because do you? I've heard some. I've heard. I've seen some brackets bracket say that they may get eight or nine in, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just it's just sort of a free fall, I think, for those last like three or four spots in the big on the Big Ten front. Yeah, one last point to wrap up before we take our break. One shout-out to Tom Izzo. You mentioned that Michigan State, they won their last two games. They defeated Illinois in an upset win on Tuesday, and then they defeated – I'm blanking out. I'm glad I have you as a host, Lakia. They, they defeated Ohio State on Thursday. Thank yes, you. Yes. Uh, so they won their last two games in upset fashion. Uh, as we all know, Tom Izzo, I know this is not one of his talented teams on paper, 
But around this time every year, he gets his kids together. They rally the troops, and they go. They usually go on a big run. So uh, I want to see how they finish out this regular season. And, of course, the Big Ten tournament is in a couple of weeks in Indianapolis. Uh, this tournament this year is going to be more important now ever, than ever before because, like you said, Lakina, between six to eight teams, uh, I think nine may be stretching it, but at least eight teams are going to get in. You, you need to show and prove yourself. And so shouts out to Michigan State for turning their season around. But I wanted to close out this segment uh, going back to Loyola uh, Chicago and Porter Moser. They wrap up their regular season this weekend with a, a two-game home set against Southern Illinois. They should be able to win both those games and wrap up the regular season with 21 wins. I know they're ranked 21 in the country as of right now. But I'm glad Jordan Burnfield mentioned a couple other guys uh, on the Ramblers as far as who can help Lucas Williams and, and Cameron Cutwig, their big guy. They're going to need their support, supporting cast, especially next week going to the Missouri Valley Tournament. You know as well as I do, Lakina, there's always going to be that surprise team that's going to shock everybody every year. So mm -hmm. I'm with Jordan is that Loyola will probably get in, will get in. I think Drake will probably get in as well. But both those teams better not slip up because there's always a team like Northern Iowa or Bradley the last couple of years. Uh, there's just a team that no one's talking about that can sneak up on people. So I, I like Loyola's chances going into the conference tournament, assuming that they sweep this home and this home two game series against Southern Illinois this weekend, which we all think they should. They'll have 21 wins before the conference tournament, and you use the conference tournament to gear for the March Madness. So I like Loyola's chances. I think they could be even better, but. As, as I said before, as you well know, there's always a team or two that, that's a, that makes a surprise run in that conference tournament down there in St. Louis. Well, I mean, look, you know, Missouri Valley, all weird things have always happened, you know, especially yes. in recent years in the Missouri Valley Conference mm -hmm. Tournament. There's always that one team that kind of sneaks, sneaks yep. in there. I mean, like Illinois State, I think, was that, you know, did it a few, I mean, a few years ago, got in the tournament, mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. Missouri State, and they, you know, that they're 11 at 5 in their, conf in their conference. They, they have a senior laden team. They could probably throw a monkey wrench into that. You know, Indiana State, another team that, you know, has done very well this year. They could probably, you know, throw a monkey wrench into that. So it's always, you know, weird things that, that could happen. Southern Illinois, unfortunately, I think lost one of their, their top guys, like, early on. They had, I think they were undefeated mm -hmm. for a while. But, you know, I think they lost one of their top scorers who, you know, the rest of the season's an injury. So, you know, that kind of derailed their se their season. But Brian, Brian Warder, who, who played there, has done a great job regardless. I'm sure he'll get mm -hmm. that, that program together in about a, if not next season, definitely in the, in the next couple of years. But look, I think if you're Loyola and Drake, I think you better. Your best bet is to get both teams get into the, the final, the tournament final. You'll probably both mm -hmm. get in. You know, you know yeah. depending on what happens in the, other, in the bigger conference tournaments and then that sense. But you don't want to leave it up to the, the committee. So I would say just get both teams, just get to the final and just you know, you'll probably both get, get in regardless. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Like, you know, let's take this 20-second timeout on the weekend edition of Second City Sports. On the flip side, we'll get into the top games for college basketball for this weekend outside of our local area. We'll also we'll talk about Zach Levine. He's finally an all-star. He has redemption on his resume. And also we'll give you our games to watch this weekend in the NBA. And we'll expand on our conversation about the Chicago Bears possibly playing in Arlington Heights, dot, 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 question mark. We'll give you our thoughts on the flip side. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports.
Welcome back to the second half of the weekend edition of Second City Sports Zoom Style. Zoom Style. Along with Lakina McGee, I am Sydney Brown. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, that's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow War Media on the Twitter at uh, at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on the Twitter. And also, you can follow, go to our website at weareregalradio.com. That's W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com for more information. You can follow this podcast, Second City Sports, along with our other podcast programming from War Media by simply going to War or Anchor, typing that in your search engine boxes. It takes you over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. We're available on all down, download podcast downloads. So when we uh, go to that your favorite download app, podcast app, just type in that search engine box, War or Anchor, okay? That's W-A-R-R on Anchor. We're also on YouTube at War Media once again at WARR Media on YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. And we thank you for your support. Mwah! Like, share, subscribe. Like, share, and yes. subscribe. And we are unapologetically fun. So before we get into some NBA Lakina, let's, let's tell the people about a, a couple of college uh, basketball games to keep your eye on this weekend for Saturday and Sunday. If you listen to us, on, which is today on Saturday. It'll be today. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of great matchups. You know, coming up today, City got Texas and Texas Tech in the Big 12. Texas hoping to break that losing streak they've had. They've had their struggles lately. Texas Tech had a loss. So definitely both teams trying to get back on track. Tennessee and Auburn in the SEC, of course, that's always, you know, a great when those two teams play. Illinois and Wisconsin, we talked about it earlier. Some, mm-hmm. you know, that should be a fun one there at the Cole Center. LSU and Arkansas. Arkansas has been playing well, lady. Like Eric Musselman has got his guys playing well. They could be mm-hmm. a team to watch out for coming up in the tournament. Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, you know, the Bedlam, you know, no matter what the sport, you know, it's always fun when those two teams, you know, you know, get together and play. Um, Florida State and North Carolina should be a good one. Boise State and San Diego State, that's sort of a second of a two-gamer. This is for control of the Mountain West Conference, number one seed there. Boise State kind of needs their win to sort of keep in the bubble, but San Diego State, you know, doing what they've been doing, you know, had a, had an off year last year because they were rebuilding, but those guys, you know, are back, mm-hmm. back at it, so it's fun to see. Um, but, of course, we talked about Loyola and Southern Illinois. What's another one here? And oh, Kansas and Baylor. That should be a fun one. That's the ESPN primetime game coming up tonight at seven o'clock. Kansas has been playing very well. They've gotten better. You know, Baylor, you know, I know they struggled against Iowa State, but they, they were off for like almost three weeks. So, you know, come on, give them a break, guys. But that should, yeah. fun, that should be a fun one there over in Lawrence. You know, that that's you know, I'm that that's just that's always a fun one. And let's hope that they can. You know, if you're a Baylor fan, you're hoping that they can, you know, stay undefeated. Um, now we'll go into the Sunday matchup. So what games are you looking forward to, Sid? Uh, the big one I'm looking forward to on Sunday is will take place uh, in Columbus, Ohio. That's a 3 o'clock game on CBS. That's number nine, 
Iowa Hawkeyes. Shout out to Maya Kai and Alyssa Bergamini, among others, the alumni for Iowa. Uh, they'll travel to uh, Columbus, as I mentioned, to, uh, to face number four, Ohio State. Big game for both teams. Iowa has turned it around recently. They're 17-7, and seven, while Ohio State has dropped their last couple of games. They're now 18-6. and six. Of course, Ohio State were upset by Michigan State on Thursday. Uh, I think it's a bigger game for, for Ohio State. As I mentioned in the last episode, watch out for Ohio State come tournament time. But they need to right the ship and uh, because the regular season is almost at an end, and you need to go, go into the conference tournament on a high note. Oh, that's, that should be a fun one down in, over in Columbus. Um, a little another Mountain West, Mountain West Conference get to game here. You got Nevada and Utah State. Utah State is one of those teams that are on a bubble. They're 11-4. and four. They're kind of you know, battling out with San Diego State and Boise State. So they need to keep winning or keep themselves in the discussion for an at-large bid. So that should be a fun one there. Um, Pittsburgh and NC State, that should be a good one. That's on the ACC network. So, you know, as teams, you know, we're only a few weeks away from Selection Sunday. So these teams are sort of, you know, jacking for a position to get on the bubble, get on the other side of the bubble, to keep from going outside the bubble. So those, you're going to be hearing the words bubble and bracketology a lot in the next few weeks. Yes. So, so be prepared. <laughs> Did you mention this game before we move on, Lakina, Florida State and North Carolina? Oh, I forgot about that game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's a 3 o'clock game. If you listen to this podcast on a Saturday, which will be later today, 3 p.m. on ESPN. North Carolina quietly is turning, starting to turn around. They're 14 and 8, 8 and 5 in the ACC. Of course, Florida State's been one of the top teams in the country all year. They're ranked number 11 right now. I'm really interested, interested to see how North Carolina comes out, uh, even though there will be no fans there, obviously. <laughs> I want to be I'm interested to see how they come out to start the game because Florida State's going to bring it. Florida State could have an outside, outside shot again, that one scene. Also, North Carolina mm-hmm. trying to bounce back for a bad loss. And uh, uh, Roy Williams said it, you know, bad loss a couple of days ago against Seaboard Janowski and his Marquette Golden Eagles. So that was a makeup game for those of you who are wondering why they were playing in the middle of, you know, late February. But, you know, that was a game that was, you know, postponed. But, you know, they were able to open it up. And, you know, unfortunately, Marquette, you know, got the best of North Carolina. So we'll see how their, yeah. move, will, how their move will be, you know, when they play Florida State later today. It should be a fun one, as, as it usually is between these two teams. Also, Florida and Kentucky, that should be another one, too, in the SEC. That's another 3 o'clock game on CBS. So that should be a fun one there in the SEC. Both teams sort of, you know, trying to get improve their um, – not only their SEC seats, but also their uh, attorney seating. So that should be a fun one there down in Lexington. Yep. So those are the games that you should look out for in the college basketball world. Let's m- jump over to the NBA, Lakina. Let's start with our local hero, the Chicago Bulls. Now all-star for the first time, Mr. Zach Levine. The the announcements of the reserves were announced uh, this past Tuesday. And uh, Lakina, you have the list. You'll read off the rest of the list in just a moment. But congratulations to Zach Levine. I predicted on the last show that he'll be named as an all-star. I think two reasons why he was named an all-star. One, because the Bulls are a respectable franchise now, and they are in the eighth spot as we speak. Number two, he's willing to take on the role of being the the alpha dog as is being the the face of the franchise, but not only on the court but off the court as well. He likes to take on the responsibility. The way he carries himself, he, he's built for this. He's had big games as we mentioned this year, second or third in the league with the most thirty plus point scoring performances. Uh, he's been hitting big shots all year long. But defensively, 
he's not the world's greatest defender, but he's, he challenges himself head on to guard the other team's best player. You like like to see that out of your best player. And you know, I'm so happy for him. You know, he's worked his butt off yeah. to get to get to this point. And if you guys saw the video that the Bulls PR people made with him, you know, being surprised by his family and friends via via Zoom of you know, Avi, but mm-hmm. you know, you're happy for him. And I'm hoping that look, we don't know what you know Arturo's kind of choice and Mark Eversley what they're gonna do. But I'm I'm thinking that they're I think they know that you know you got to keep this guy. And I know some people say Let, let's trade him for for draft picks and stuff like that. I mean, okay. uh, Okay, guys, do you really do you want to be like Orlando? Do you want to be like Sacramento and teams like that? You don't want to be kind of like stuck in the middle. Look, you got a good player, you, you can build around him. And you know, look, we know we need, you know, the Bulls need a point guard, we know they need a, a, a good big man, and we know that. But you've got a guy that can be sort of like the foundation builder for you to build your team. It's just sort of be look, you're respectable again. Now you want to be a contender. So let's take those baby steps and see if we can, you know. Look, I know they're they're a seven seed right now. They've won three in a row. The Bulls have, but look, let's you know keep the baby steps and just you know, let's just keep improving. And also, too, this is also redemption, as I mentioned before we took our break for Zach Levine, because last year he desperately wanted to be named an All Star because the game was here in Chicago. Of course, we all know uh, well, we all know what happened on the the first take show last year from Navy Pier during All Star Weekend when he was being interviewed by the crew. Of course. Those fans behind the Channing guard packs twice before Stephen A. Smith killed that. But the the voices of the fans were heard, and that was the talk around All-Star Weekend last year. Lakina, as you know, we did our radio show last year from, from down, downtown Chicago last year where it was festival. Of course, it was the day before that um, that took place on first take. But uh, the Bulls, they were in a bad place for a long time. And, of course, uh, hosting All-Star Weekend didn't hide that especially after what happened, as I mentioned, on the first take last year where he was on that show. It wasn't his fault, but that incident just happened while he was being interviewed. He he carried on like the true soldier that he is, you know, being professional and everything because he's representing the Bulls franchise, the NBA, and the city of Chicago. So, of course, he didn't know that was coming. But uh, um, also, I was listening to the – I'm sure you heard this too. I was listening to an interview with Casey Johnson, a friend of, friend of the show, uh, uh, by the way, uh, with NBC Sports Chicago now, he interviewed Zach Levine, and he has uh, Zach. You know, the day of today is your, uh, which was Tuesday, uh, the day that you uh, announced that uh, that you were being selected. Also, you know, that was the day that you entered your ACL four years ago, and I heard his his responses. Like, I truly didn't know that it was four years ago on the day. Uh, I was like, wow. He said, you know, Casey said, yeah, today is the day that that you entered your. Uh, torn your ACL four years ago, and to well, fast forward now, you're being named an All Star. He's like, "Wow, I did not know that." But he's come a long way. We we kind of forget about that injury. Of course, it was right before he was traded to the Bulls. That that some of you are still a member of the Timberwolves. But it, it's truly redemption in a lot of ways for Zach. So congratulations to him once again. He do- he totally has earned it. And he definitely deserves it. And you know, yes. hopefully, look, like I said, the Bulls are a seven seed right now. Hopefully, they can keep it going. Look, they've got a they got a pretty tough schedule in the second half of the season. We'll talk more about that, and you know, later on. Mm-hmm. But their 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 schedule's pretty tough. They got to play. They got a lot of back to backs. They're gonna be playing Brooklyn mm-hmm. multiple times. They're gonna be playing Philly multiple times too, and also Milwaukee. They I think they finish out like, the season. They play them like three or four times. So it's gonna be tough. But look, I think. If we can finish up at the very least near 500, I think you you could considering like where you were last year in the last few years, I think you got to be feeling you'll feel pretty good, you know, if you're a Bulls fan. 
Yeah, you have to be uh, feeling good if you're a Bulls fan. Now, am I going to tell you to go protest to have the United Center doors open? No, but you, you have to be encouraged about what the team is doing right now. We'll get to uh, shout. That's it's on my mind right now. Shout out to the United Center. They're opening up for uh, one uh, um, uh, the uh, arena for mass vaccinations. They'll start uh, March first, which is next week. And so that's going to be great for people that want to get vaccinated. They can get back to get back to their lives and be healthy, of course. So shout out to the folks at the United Center. Jerry Reinstone with Rocky Works, who co-owns that arena, even though it's owned by the state of Illinois. But <laughs> a shout out to the, those guys, you know, opening up for more people in the Chicago uh, area to get vaccinated. So shout out to United Center. But back back to the team, you have to be encouraged of what's going on right now. As we said before the season uh, kicked off, Lakina, this was a season of player development and what was going to be the agenda set for this new regime, not only in the front office, but in the head coaching staff led by Billy Donovan. What was going to be the tone set for hopefully years to come as the Bulls try to get back to respectability? They're at their respectability now, but if you heard Billy Donovan the other day after that uh, game against Minnesota, which they should have blown them out, by the way, but he's neither here or there. He said, I expect more out of this team. Now, the question is, will the players respond to Billy Donovan's challenge? So far, they have as a group individually. It's still some um, players here and there that need to step their game up. Overall, you're in a better place than you were a year ago. Oh, I totally agree. And also, too, you got to look, this team's fun to watch now. It's not a, it's not a yes. tour to watch a Bulls game. Now, I know, yeah, I know they should have blown Minnesota out, but look, you know, look, they're in the Western Conference. They probably, if they had like their druthers in a row, they'd probably be like in the, like, like near the top 10. So I, I'm not, I'm not freaking out because, you know, they didn't blow out Minnesota. They're still, you know, the Bulls still trying to find their wheels. But, you know, I, look, I think, look, congrats to Zach Levine, and we'll get to, you know, more about that in a little bit. But some of the other all-stars in the East, you know, Jalen Brown making his first appearance. James Harden, who I know he just got there, but he earned his way in. We'll talk about him in a second. This is not a surprise. Ninth all-star appearance. Also, to Julius Randle, who, you know, everyone was lobbying for him to get, you know, to get in. He got his first, you know, his first appearance, you know, for the next. Ben Simmons is his third appearance, even though he's been, you know, in and out with injuries. Jason Tatum. I got question marks on that, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah, Jason Tatum also to, also Nikola Vucevic, who is probably one of the reasons why the Magic, you know, is sort of staying afloat. He's one of the reasons why. So I have mm -hmm. no problem with him being an all-star. But I know you say you have questions about Simmons being there. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On the west side, you know, Anthony Davis, you know, eighth appearance. We know he won't play. Devin Booker, who a lot of people say probably should have gotten in, you know, he'll make his first appearance in the All Star, All Star game. Paul George, his seventh appearance. Rudy Gobert, second appearance for him. Damian Lillard, his sixth, second appearance for for Donovan Mitchell. CP3 in his eleventh, and also to Zion makes his first ever appearance in the All Star game. Any issues in that with those reserves in the West? Not really. I know some people want to say Zion, but remember, it's an all-star game. So I, I know Zion, I know the NBA has been forcing it down your throat the last over this last year that he's your savior. And I told people to hold up on that. But, yeah. you know, congratulations to Zion. I have no problem with it. He's having, actually having a nice year. The team has, and of course, they had a bad loss against Milwaukee on Thursday. Ugh. But bad, bad. <laughs> but regardless of that, Zion's actually having a, a nice year. So congrats to him. He's going to have many more 
all-star appearances, I'm sure. You said Damian Lillard, uh, only his six all-star appearances. You would think he'll have at least I know. At least. Well, yeah, I think he – well, remember, I think he was injured his rookie year, or he had his struggles his rookie year. That's probably why he didn't Mm -hmm. make it those first couple years. He was a rookie, you know, and and recovering. But now, you know, he's got his game at a whole nother level. So this is number six for him. Which yeah, is, congrats to him, Bob. I know it's um, shocking. Yeah, I know it's shocking. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I said, he should have at least one or two more. But um, I, I have no issues really with the uh, with the All Star reserves. Uh, usually the coaches get it right ninety five percent of the time. But <clears throat> but um, excuse me. Did you see LeBron James's tweet the other day? He said <laughs> the most two disrespected players in the league were Damian Lillard and Devin Booker. And I get where he's coming from, but if you really know basketball, Damian Lillard. Is respected. You know yeah. what you get out of him. People know who he is by now. Right. And Devin Booker, I can see that, but I'm surprised. I thought this would be his second All Star game, but uh, n- neither here or there. Well, uh, I, think, yeah. I think because you know he plays in Phoenix. We know Phoenix, unfortunately, for the last few years has been kind of an afterthought. So that's probably yeah. why you know folks are kind of like still disrespecting him after you know even mm-hmm. after all this. But it is, right. it if, is if it LeBron is. James, was, yeah, if LeBron James was coming from that standpoint. Fine, I'll give you that. But if you watch basketball, you know who Devin Booker is, even though the team's been terrible outside the season, of course. But if you, if you watch Devin Booker for any um, a whole amount of time, you know who he is. He dropped a 70-piece on Boston a few years ago, and he's been one of Phoenix's up-and-rising stars. So <laughs> if he wasn't coming from the standpoint where he's playing in Phoenix, I don't know what LeBron James is talking about. I know that he has a big voice in the league. I know a lot of people listen to him and follow him, but it sounds like to me he was just being petty. That's just me. Well, you know, kill him with kindness, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> we, who knows? <laughs> sometimes, look, you never know. You never know what goes on LeBron's mind sometimes. But, you know, it, yeah. like I said, it is what it is. But um, I have to talk about James Harden for a second. You know, the Nets have won eight in a row. Mm-hmm. I mean – what more can you say about Harden? I think Harden has finally woken up now, I guess, now that he's out of Houston. You know, he's the only player in NBA history to produce 1,000 points, score and assist in his first 20 games with a, with a, new, with a team. So, you know, that, that's just amazing that he's, you know, he's able to do that. And still playing at a high level, too, now that he's out of Houston. Let's just, let's just be honest here. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I think he's one of the re- – look, especially with Durant, you know, being out, I think he's one of the reasons why the Nets, you know, have won eight in a row. Yeah, I've been watching a couple of the Nets games uh, via my computer <laughs> from this past week, and it's it's amazing to see how they uh, how well they've been playing, especially without Kevin Durant. He's missed six straight games. Uh, we'll get to the weekend games in just a moment for the NBA, but Brooklyn's been playing very well. I know they're supporting Cash. You know, Kyrie is always going to be Kyrie. Joe Harris is starting to show up again. I was watching that game on Thursday. He had a couple of big uh, three-point baskets against the Orlando Manchester. They blew them out of the arena. And I still say this, uh, a Blake Griffin type or an Andre Drummond type will help their teams uh, defensively. I know DeAndre Jordan's been playing well as of late, but he's not enough. You need a defensive stopper. Also, too, Boogie's out there, too. Just, yeah. Just yeah. saying. Um, another team yeah. that – yeah. I mean, another team that has done well is yeah, – I'm sure our, like our girl, Alana Techire, would love this, the Miami Heat. You know that they've won four in a row too. So I look, I think Jim, look, Jimmy is you know 
now that he's back from injury, sort of getting his, you know, sort of routine going on. I think he's been playing very well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they beat the Raptors, you know, a couple of nights ago, which was a bummer for me. But, you know, look, they, they, they beat the <laughs> Lakers, they beat the Thunder. But, you know, look, this, this team has looked good. And you got to, you know, I don't know if they'll be at that finals level yet. But I think, you know, look, I think that they're, they're there where they are right now. You know, Bama Biles has been playing very well, you know, helping out Jimmy. Duncan Robinson's actually been more consistent now, which that's the, been the problem. Also, they're getting a lot of bench contributions, too. Yeah, so let's see if Miami can turn it around. There's going to be a law jump between, I believe, spots fifth through tenth in the Eastern Conference. And of course, the playing tournament format is back again for this season for the NBA between that's the seventh and tenth spots. And that's why it's important for the Bulls. If you don't do not want to participate in it, you better be in one of those top six spots. Now, going down West Lakina before we pre- uh, give you our games to watch this weekend. The Los Angeles Lakers are now on the current four-game winning uh, losing streak, I should say. They got embarrassed at, U- by, at Utah on Wednesday night in front of a national television audience once again. I know I said on our last episode, do not panic. I'm not going to say it's time to panic, but you should be a little bit more concerned. Don't jump off the bridge, but you should be a little bit more concerned. Like you said, DeMarcus Cousins is out there. Blake Griffith is out there. I'm not saying you don't have to do it today, but uh, until Anthony Davis gets back, uh, (laughs) you're going to have problems. Now, this team is too good. They're not going to go on a 10-11 game loser streak. I I just don't see that happening. But you got to be a little, just a tiny little bit more concerned. This is this is me with you know with Grimby Washington's YouTube. It's a little bit teeny tiny bit concerned. I mean, mm-hmm. look, I, look, I know they got they got embarrassed by Utah. Okay, yay, you know, look, Davis isn't there. That that's you know we kind of figured that that was going to happen. They you know LeBron mm-hmm. needs help. You know I'm sure he's going to want to be want to sit out the second half of the season. You know you're going to have to get get a Boogie Cousins, get an Andre Drummond or Blake or somebody like that to kind of help out and hold down the fort. But also too. Kuzma needs to be more consistent. KCP needs mm-hmm. to be more consistent. And I think that's that's another problem. I mean, there, there's not that consistency. There's not that, you know, that that bench, you know, is, is not helping them. So I, I think, look, LeBron, I'm sure LeBron wants to sit, <laughs> you know, the rest yes. of the season. So I, I think that, look, he needs help, folks. I mean, look, Marcus All, you might need to go, my friend. I know, and I know you wanted to try to maybe win another title, but I think you need to go. Montrez Harold, I think you need to be more consistent too. Wesley Matthews be more consistent. I mean, look, a lot of these guys need to kind of be more consistent. And look, like you said, Sid, I mean, look, this this team's capable of getting a ten or eleven game, you know, winning streak. I mean, that they could be right up there at the top of the West, right back up there. So I'm not worried about that. But I think if you're if you're LeBron, if you're the rest of the brass, the Lakers, I think you're kind of looking at this and say, okay, you know what, what we need, what do we need to do here? Because we need somebody to kind of hold down the fort until AD is able to come back. Yep. You're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown as we talk about the National Basketball Association. Now, Lakina, let's get to some key games for Saturday and Sunday. If you're listening to us uh, on Saturday, it'll, it will be today. <laughs> of course, let's take a look at the action that you'll be looking at tonight. Let's start with the primetime game on ABC. It will be the Dallas Mavericks traveling to New York City to take on the Brooklyn Nets from Barclays Center. That's at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Of course, Dallas is looking to turn their season around. Luka Doncic had a buzzer beater against the Boston Celtics at home on Tuesday. Of course, 
Brooklyn, as we mentioned, they have won eight in a row. And um, New York City, including Barclays Center and MSG, which we'll get to in just a moment, they are allowing 2,000 fans into the arena. Yeah, that's just that's the problem. Make a little bit more of a difference there. And I look, mm-hmm. I think Luca Luca versus you know Harden that should be a fun one. You know they've had their battles when Harden was playing with Houston. You know I'm looking forward to see how this game you know how this game you know progresses because I think this is going to be a, a a lot of fun. And you know we'll we'll see. I mean we'll see if Brooklyn keep up their uh, keep up their winning streak. Yeah, speaking of New York City, Madison Square Garden is starting to allow fans into the arena. It will be two thousand again at ten percent capacity the new york knicks they're in a playoff hunt they'll battle the indiana Pacers at 7 p.m central standard time that should be another that should be another fun one too and also with the fans i mean will you see a little bit of a difference with the fans you know we'll see but should be should be interesting one over there um going into the sunday matchup sid you know the bulls got a tough one against toronto you know at six o'clock that should mm-hmm. be a that should be a good one there also to yeah. also to the afternoon game you know for tomorrow 2.30 on ABC, Clippers and Bucks. That should be a lot of fun. Yes. And I, look, you know, a lot of people are saying this could be the finals preview. We'll see. I mean, I know the Clippers. I got questions on that, but. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I mean, let, 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 let's, let's, you know, let's not go too far ahead in, in that mm-hmm. sense. But this should, be a, this should be a fun one. I mean, look, we'll see how Giannis faces Kawhi. That should be an interesting one there. Look, I'm sure the Clippers are going to want to bounce back from just a just a you know a terrible loss at Memphis, but we'll see how you know we'll we'll see how they play. They can split that you know that split that sort of like two gamer with the with the Grizzlies, but you know I think this should be a fun one though. Still, nonetheless. Yeah, and also too, don't forget about Paul George. Uh, uh, he'll uh, he sh- he should he should be able to show up in this game against Milwaukee. Will like you mentioned, it'll be a Sunday afternoon prime time game. Uh, another game to look out for tomorrow, which is which will be Sunday. At 6 o'clock, it will be the struggling Boston Celtics against the bad Washington Wizards. The reason why I bring this game up, Lakina, there's been talk, especially nationally, that is Brad Stevens. Is he the head coach to go forward in for the next couple of years? He, some people say he should be fired. I know uh, Boston's been struggling over the last couple of weeks. I know Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown both deserve to be all-stars. They were named to the team. Uh, is this overreaction or is there something there? Because let's be honest, after a while, uh, players get tired of the same voice. But do you think there's something there? I mean, they had a bad loss against the Hawks a couple of days ago. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, mm-hmm. and they got, they got beaten pretty handily by 25 points. So I'm, I'm kind of 15 mm-hmm. points, I should say. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by that. I mean, I guess apparently, I guess after the Mavs loss, I guess, you know, there was, they were doing, I don't know if it was Tatum or Brown. I don't know. One of them was doing the poster, but the post game. And I guess somebody heard Brad Stevens yelling and screaming, which I didn't think he yelled and screamed. So that just shows you how, so <laughs> I've never heard him yell and scream before. So I, I don't know. <laughs> So that, that kind of threw me off guard, but I look, I think Mark, Marcus Smart hasn't been there. You know, he's been, you know, he injured mm-hmm. an ankle. He hasn't been in the last couple of weeks. That could be why, you know, that, you know, that could be why they're struggling. He's kind of the facilitator on the floor. So that could be why they've been struggling. You know, I'm not there yet. You know, Steven should be out. I'm not. I mean, I look, I think that, you know, it's the discipline and sort of the mindset and the confidence. I think, that's what they need right now. And hopefully, you know, Smart can come back soon and sort of give them that. But we'll see. But you know, Washington's been playing pretty well lately. So this will be a, this will be a very interesting game coming up on Sunday. 
Okay, also, uh, the primetime game for Sunday night will be taking place in Los Angeles at 7 o'clock p.m. on ESPN's The Golden State Warriors, traveling to Staples Center to battle the Lakers. Hopefully the Lakers can get off the schneid. And I know the Lakers have a home game that which was played uh, Friday against the Portland Trailblazers, but as of this recording, they're currently on their four-game losing streak. So hopefully the, if you're a Lakers fan, you hope you see your team get back on track against the sub-500 team. Yeah, this is definitely a perfect time to kind of write. I guess I know Golden State is Golden State. It's tough as stuff, but hopefully this will be one of those games where you can kind of write the ship if you're a Lakers fan. On, yep. on Monday, um, Utah versus New Orleans. That should be a good one on NBA TV. Um, mm-hmm. New, Orleans, New Orleans hoping to bounce back for that terrible loss to the Bucks, where they should have won that game. I know, look, Brendan Ingram needs to start shooting from the three. He needs to start improving shooting because that, that's been sort of the thing, especially down the stretch. He was great against Boston, but unfortunately he was bad against Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. that, that team definitely needed to get together there. And, you know, we'll see. Look, like I've been telling people, look, Utah, yes, they deserve all the love now, but let's see if they do it in, in the playoffs. Give them yep. all the love. Give them all the love now. You know, they, they've earned it, but let's see if they can do this in the playoffs. That's how I feel about the Jazz right now. Yep. Also, another game to look out for this Monday at 7.30 p.m. will be the Brooklyn Nets traveling to San Antonio to face the Spurs. I know the Spurs had their COVID issues recently, but as we said before, they're quietly getting back together. They're five games over 500 and riding them thick of that Western Conference playoff race, led okay. by Deontay Murray and DeMar DeRozan, who some say may should have been on the All-Star team. Yeah, he probably should have been, but then again, you you look at the rosters, you know who you who you were taking out though. That's a that's a shows a lot a lot of depth there is mm-hmm. in the West. But look, this should be this should be a lot of fun. I think Brooklyn should not. I'm sure Brooklyn will not take this first. Likely Steve Steve Nash knows this, <laughs> so um, I think look, I think this will be a fun one, and I, I wish this game was on Nash on Ashley because I think this will this will be a good one. Also, yep. to another one. And also, oh, I think, no, no, I think we I think we're gonna have the same thing. Go ahead, I think you were right. We're gonna have the same game. Of course, um, Denver Nuggets traveling to Chicago to there face the Bulls at the UC at, uh, at 8 o'clock. As Jason Goff of NBC Sports Chicago would say, it's the NBA 80s on Coke. So there should be a lot of high scoring there, no pun intended. Um, and to wrap up the night for Monday at 9.30 p.m. on NBA TV Chicago time, it's the Charlotte Hornets traveling to Portland to take on the Trailblazers. LaMelo Ball, the outstanding rookie point guard, will face Dame Dollar, a.k.a. Damian Lillard. I that have, should be a whole lot of fun. Oh, yeah, I think Dame's going to teach him a thing or two, I think. I'm just, I'm just predicting here. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not projecting here, but I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. All right, Sid. Yo, enjoy the games this weekend, guys. A lot of great games in the yes. NBA. Um, yeah, let's go to the, uh, the gridiron, the pro gridiron. Um, the Bears, basically. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> they made some news this week. Um, the first, this is, I think it's going to be like a, a show thing for us here now, Sid, for the next few months. Um, the QB mm-hmm. rumor of the day, Russell Wilson, of course, you're the all-pro, <laughs> all-pro QB. That's true. We have him so far. We have Ryan Fitzpatrick, Jimmy Garoppolo we mentioned last week. Now Russell Wilson. <laughs> the QB fact of the day. Apparently there was an article that came out that um, – that uh, we look, we know that Russell Wilson is not very happy in Seattle because of you know some of the moves that have been made or have not been made. Mm-hmm. Now apparently there was you know there's an article that came out you know a couple of days ago, and um, apparently he's not asking for a trade yet, but 
according to Adam Schefter, <laughs> his agent, Mark Rogers, said that Hasosia said he wants to play in Seattle. But if there was a trade considered, the only teams he would go to are the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, and brace yourselves, the Bears. One of these teams is unlike the other. Uh, yeah. And, oh, I'm saying, boy. and I'm seeing like Tariq Cohen and Cordell Patterson making some sort of recruiting pitches. You know, Cordell, I guess, you know, posted a picture with him and Russell, I guess, at a, at a function a few, a couple of years back. And Tariq was, you know, recruiting him. Okay, let's clear this up right now. They're not, the Bears are not getting Russell Wilson. Don't, no, no, One more game for the people in the back of the bus. No, it is not happening. No, no, stop. It's absurd. No, you have nothing for John Schneider, and I doubt he's going to want to trade him anyway. Sid, you go ahead, because I know you got more, you're you're more riled up about this than I am. Go ahead. (laughs) I've been thinking about this for the last 24, 48 hours. What's been the Bears' problem? They have many problems, but what's been the Bears' problem throughout the history of their franchise? A franchise quarterback. If they let's just say hypothetically, hypothetically, you got Russell Wilson. Fine, let's roll with it. But the way the offensive line has played this season, I know they regrouped in the month of December. Excuse me. Do you can you guarantee me that the the offensive line will play like that next season? What do you think Russell Wilson's complaining about now in offensive line? Now, if you're the Bears, it looks like you're going to cut one offensive line and probably two with Bobby Massey and Charles Leno Jr. And let's just assume that they're all healthy, whoever's left on their roster, assuming that Ryan Pace keeps that first-round pick for this year and drafts, drafts a tackle. As our buddy Jason Leisure for the Chicago Sun-Times friend of the show said to us last month, you can't guarantee me that an offensive line is going to play well from year to year. You just don't know. Now, let's assume that the Bears got Russell Wilson, which we just so happened to win a Super Bowl. As a fan, I would be happy, but because of his age, I'm talking about Wilson, he's age 32, 33 years old. You're really going to have him for two or three years max at that big size contract. And we're going to be, be sitting here doing Lakina. Talking about getting another franchise quarterback. That's why I'm not in favor of this deal. To all to get to get good and stay long term, you have to draft a franchise quarterback, and it starts right now. He'll be 33 in late November, right before December. So, I, I mean, look, we we know how we know who Russell Wilson is. He's got you know passing records, you know <laughs> franchise records in you know, Seattle. You know, we, we get all that. But like you said, Sid, like I, like, I just, like I just said, he's 32. He'll be 33, you know, mm-hmm. by the time, you know, the next season's over with. You're going to be only going to have him for, what, like a couple of years, like you said. And who's mm-hmm. to say that the old line's going to be, you know, worse, you know, be, you know, it was okay near the end, but it was still bad. Mm-hmm. Why do you think he's, like you said, why do you think he's complaining, you know, about wanting to get out of Seattle? Because they haven't invested in the old line. You really think that, mm-hmm. the, you know, that the, the Bears going to invest in the O-line, they don't have him right now. And plus, you know how much you're going to have to give up to get him? Exactly. You're not going to give up Roquan Smith. No, I'll, I'll just finish. Roquan Smith, you know, Kyle Fuller maybe. You may have to throw in maybe an offensive guy, you know, and maybe a couple of, you know, draft some draft picks. That's probably what you're going to get in order to convince, you know, Mr. Schneider to, uh, to even give you a call. So let's, you know, let's not – 
let's not you know, think that ahead because it's not happening. Go ahead, Sid. I'm sorry. <laughs> and also, too, let's just assume that the Bears got Russell Wilson. Can you, uh, right now, you're up against the cap. You, I'm sure you had to cut a couple more plays than you were expected to uh, to, to cut. Can you guarantee me that Allen Robinson will be back? On paper, it looks good, but can you guarantee me that Allen Robinson would be back? Only oh, yeah. hmm. I'm not saying unless you're franchise tagger, which I'm sure he's not going to be very, be very happy with that. So, yeah, unless they get a long-term deal done ASAP. Which they probably won't. So, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look, I know some people, there are other rumors that say, well, maybe O'Sierra wants to come to Chicago. I, I, don't, I don't understand why they would want to come here. I mean, look, I mean, the, the cupboard's bare here in Chicago. So, I, I well, not bare per se, but, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's not a lot of – I think if you had to choose between the you know, the Bears and the, and the Seahawks, I think you'd rather stay with the Seahawks just because you have you got weapons to pass to. You know, I I know some people are happy. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. You're <laughs> uh, I know some people are happy that 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 Wilson mentioned the Bears that the uh, one of the teams that's on his list. You know what this reminds me of, Lakina? What? R.I.P. to Mr. Kobe Bryant. Remember back in 06, 05, where there was rumors of him mm-hmm. coming to the Chicago Bulls? I know he said on that NBA TV documentary from a couple of years ago, it was players only, it was uh, Shaq interviewing him. It was a great interview, by the way, for those of you that missed it. Go back on YouTube and uh, look it up and watch the whole episode from the beginning, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember Kobe Bryant said he kept re- referring to 04. After uh, the Lakers lost to the Pistons, of course, Shaq got traded to the Heat during that offseason, what have you. But I, I, I still remember, not 04, but it was 2007. I remember all that time, and that was when the, the, the Bulls signed Ben Wallace as a free agent, which turned out to be a bust. But uh, it was really had that Kobe Bryant was uh, trying to willing deal his way to the Chicago Bulls. And I said, I wouldn't believe it till I see it. And number two, I didn't want him here only because he, uh, we all know that he, he was a little brother to Michael Jordan, and he was trying to overtake that legacy. I didn't care what, what nobody said. No one was going to overtake Michael. But he was trying to get uh, a new contract for the Los Angeles Lakers. What ended up happening, he got a new contract from the Lakers. Of course, they turned around to get Paul Gasol. And then, of course, two championships later, 09 and 2010, the Lakers were, were able to win. He used the Bulls as a bargaining chip. And like a knock, folks, that's how business is, is done in professional sports. But the main thing of that was John Paxson, I remember after that, uh, coming out and saying, well, at least uh, we finished in second place. Kobe <laughs> really considered playing for the Bulls. I said, finish in second place don't mean a damn thing. It's whether you get it done or not. I don't care if you finish wrong. Run-ups don't get remembered like that. No one cares. We didn't get them. I do remember that and uh, very well. And I know people were buzzed about, you know, they're, they're designing Kobe jerseys, you know, in bulls, yeah. you know, colors. Like, okay, uh, guys, no. And I think this is what the case here with Russell Wilson. I think he wants to use the Bears. Like, the Bears are being used as bargaining chips. He doesn't want to mm-hmm. come here. He doesn't. I mean, maybe, okay, maybe, like, you know, for promotions, or maybe Sierra may want to come here, you know, for her music and, and whatever product he's doing. But that's probably about it. I mean, he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't want to come here. I mean, it, it, it's just silly to think that, especially the way the team is make up now. He doesn't want to come here. He's not crazy. He's being very crafty. So, look, I, I think. Look, I think they're going to work it out in Seattle. I think you know he's going to, you know, perhaps maybe put some money toward an O line. And I think 
look, I think hopefully, you know, everything will be happy and hunky dory over in over up in Seattle. That's just yeah. They better make it work because yeah. uh, you're not going to get a quarterback better than Russell Wilson right now if you're the Seahawks. You, you you're just not. So, like you said, they're going to have to find a way to work it out. Like I said, I, I know double talk when I hear it, and this all this is is just double talk. I don't want to get traded, but if I decide to get traded, then here's where I want to go. It's like being in a long-distance relationship. Baby, I love you, but if stuff goes down, I got options, quote-unquote. So <laughs> that's, all that, that's all it is. You sounded from, you sound like you're speaking from experience in that front. <laughs> I'm not saying it was me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, thank right. you, it wasn't me. I know some couple of Cole's personal friends, which I'm not going to mention any names on the show that have done that, but that's a whole nother issue for off the mic. <laughs> well, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, he's, <laughs> look, he's used a lot of double entendres. I mean, like you said, Sid, I think, look, I mean, Look, you got look that division, the NFC West. We talked about that division the last few years. It's gonna look. It's gonna be tough, especially now you got mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford now playing for the Rams. It's yeah. gonna be a tough division. So if you're the Seahawks, you you better get it together because you know the very always you know mild mannered Russell Wilson is saying something that saying something to like to other people. You better want to mm-hmm. listen. You better listen to him. Yep, you're listening to the weekend edition of Second City Sports, heading down the home stretch along with Lakina McGee. I am Sydney Brown. Lakina, let's finish up this show with some more Bears news. As we call this segment, steal a topic from Chicago Sports Radio. I'll let you take it from here. All right. Well, um, there were there were a couple of both our both the Chicago radio stations, both the Score and ESPN um, 1000. Actually, this actually I believe this was brought up. I believe in December. I think right before the holidays. But Arlington Wasteway, the historic Wasteway, has been around for almost um <laughs> almost a hundred years. Apparently, it's it's owned by Churchill Downs down in Kentucky. But now they're you know, but now I guess they want to go a different direction. Churchill Downs does. They want to commit to horse racing in Illinois, but just not in Arlington. So now that land, that beautiful land, has been around for. I would say like almost 90 years, maybe even more, maybe like almost 100 years, I should say, like maybe 90 some years, it's now up for sale. And some people, you know, folks from, you know, Adam Hull, we talked about it with Jordan Burnfield earlier. Also, mm-hmm. too, you know, I think I think Brian Hanley, who's now doing great things over at ESPN 1000, he brought it up. Mm-hmm. Um, also, too, I think I heard Wallace Silly, we talked about it as well, and you know, a few other places, too, on the score. They've talked about it, too, I know, so... They're saying that maybe perhaps maybe the Bears should perhaps maybe move to Arlington and perhaps play their games at the old race course. I mean, look, we 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 look, we you know, we talked about it with Jordan earlier. You guys can listen to it on online, of course. But I mean, look, look, I look, I haven't been to Soldier Field for a game, but I have been there for a couple of concerts, and it is a pain in a butt to get there. I, I know you've been there to a couple of Bears games too at Soldier City, and yeah, and Jordan talked about it earlier. I mean, it is a pain in the butt to get there. There is no, you know, there there is no um well, line in the L, you know, here in Chicago that you know will let you off. You know, usually it's usually kind of like with you know, with the you know, um G rates, you know, and also too with Wrigley Field. You you, you, you there's a, I know and um the red line. 
it, the, you got the red light right there. They'll let you off right mm -hmm. there. And I think with the, the Cubs case, it's like a, about a half a block. So you're all good to go in, in that front. But with the Bears, you got to go like about like a half hour to 45 minutes, depending on how the traffic is there. And look, I understand that. I know it's a pain about to get there, but you're telling me that there's no, there's no like land in like, you know, downtown Chicago. I mean, I know there's like, there got to be something about Corbett Place, right, Sid, that you know, yeah. they probably do it. You know, Montrose, we heard somebody said maybe Montrose Beach was probably going to be easier to get there too. So, I mean, I, look, I know that, I know people say that, well, the Giants and the Jets, they play in Jersey and in, you know, Minnesota, the Vikings, they play like outside of, just outside the Twin Cities. I know, yes, you mm -hmm. know, people brought up, um, Jerry's World down in Arlington. They don't play in Dallas. In San Francisco and Santa Clara. Yeah, and also too, I know. Look, I mean, I know they say that. Well, you know, the Arizona Cardinals don't play in. Well, they're the Arizona Cardinals. They're not the Phoenix Cardinals. So of course they're playing. Thank in you. Play <laughs> so let, let, let's get rid of that. But um, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, but I think it, it'll be just be weird having to. You're gonna have a harder time. You know, just as hard a time getting to, to Arlington. I mean, that's just you know, you're going outside the burbs. I mean, really? Yeah. Let me bring that up. And you, well, let me continue on that. You brought up my first point. Let's just assume that the Bears are playing their games at Arlington. Let's just say, like, they're having the season like they just had this past year, barely sneaking into playoffs in 8-8. Eight, in eight and eight. Let's just say we had uh, – let's just say it was the last week of the season. It's a home game, of course. It's, it's a dome. It's, it has everything you want. We all know that tickets are expensive already. Yep. Let's just say like the weather that we had for the last three weeks in terms of snow and cold. And let's be honest, I don't, know, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think the majority of your season ticket fans, fan base for the Bears, they come from the suburbs and particularly the northern suburbs. I'm sure some from the western suburbs too. Okay, so let's just say the stadium's right there in Arlington. The people in those neighboring suburbs won't have too much of an issue getting there. But if you're living in in the city of Chicago or in the southern suburbs like we are, do you really want to get your butt up on a Sunday morning? We all know doing a normal fall, spring, summer day with no weather issues, traffic is a you-know-what. It's a pain in the neck. Let's just say we had a mini snowstorm and you wanted to go there to catch a game. Are you going to tell me that you're going to get your butt up and drive on 294 or I believe 290, I know 294 near me, and you're going to drive for at least 45 minutes, let's say to an hour tops to Arlington Heights because Arlington Heights is near the Wisconsin-Illinois state line. Yeah. <laughs> Do you only want to get your butt up there, battle traffic, where are you going to park? <laughs> I mean, but if we have a bad snowstorm in the middle of December, are you really going to go through that to go to one game? And if you're a season ticket holder, of course, you'll catch a break in the weather between September and early November. But let's just say me and you want to go to a game in December, Lakina, especially the, with the weather we just had for the last few weeks. Do you really want to go through that? Oh, hell no. I no, no, I way. don't. <laughs> I don't either. No. I mean, no way. It, it, it's just absurd. That, look, I, look, look, we get it. Look, look, we've both been in Soldier Field. We get it. It's a pain mm. in the butt to get there. But do you really want to go through that? You're going all the way up to the, to the burbs. You're not going to do that. People are, for, especially for in our area where you're know, from the south side, of, you know, the southern burbs, you're not going to mm. do that. You're not going to, you know, drag yourself. You probably got to get up what, maybe like nine in the morning, you know, maybe eight or like nine or 10 o'clock, you know, get eat breakfast and then Go surf for breakfast, then like maybe take you could take like like an hour, hour and a half. I mean, if the you know, the yep. traffic isn't too bad, no, it's not. You're gonna be facing even worse issues. Yep, I'll give I'll give you a quick story. 
the the bear the last Bears game I went to it was the season finale against Detroit. That was in 2015. Of course, uh, it was the last game of Matt Forte for the Bears and Calvin Johnson, soon to be Pro Football Hall of Famer for the wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. My buddy, shout out to Adam, uh, uh, who works still works for uh, Chicago's finest, if you know what that means, the police department. Uh, I got in there for free because he got tickets for free for working for the for Chicago's finest. Uh, we didn't park in there. He drove, actually. It was me, him, and his mother. We uh, uh, we drove to the stadium. He couldn't park in the stadium, like like, uh, like Jordan said in our uh, last segment. You can't park in those parking lots. Those people are there early tailgating and whatnot, so you can forget about that. We had to park near a building. I forgot it was on State Street or something. It was right near the under the L. And he knew somebody, so he didn't have to pay for parking. Thank goodness. Oh, nice. But there, uh, but uh, he knew somebody. But there was about four or five people trying to um, drive behind us looking for spaces. And he's like, I know somebody, man. So this is the only space left. And I'm um, sorry for you guys. You just got to find somewhere to park. And these kids were from the sub suburbs, actually. But still. Where are you going to find parking for a normal game right now for Soldier Field? You just can't. You have to take public transportation unless you know somebody you're going to stay in a hotel or whatnot. But but going back to Arlington Heights, I know there's prime land out there, but let's just say you had a, a, a snowstorm like we had a few weeks ago. Are you really going to go out there for one game? Or if you're a season ticket holder, you're going to go out there, battle traffic, <laughs> and the roads are not as clear. Heaven forbid you have a big accident like you had in Dallas a few weeks ago with the stuff they're dealing with. Is it really worth it? No. Coming from where we live? No. I mean, look, I mean, look, it's a big issue there with Silver Field. I know that people, the partition <laughs> wants to preserve a lot of that stuff, the columns and whatnot, and then the cinema yeah. value, but they, they screwed up. They they, they mm -hmm. screwed up on how they renov how to you know how they renovated that place and look that's something that you're gonna have to maybe think about you know down the line you know it's been 20 years you know put a dome up if you if you have to you know add some seats and look try to preserve some of that that stuff that you know some people say is sacred I mean or perhaps like like I said you know there's land in Montrose Beach you know which is easier to get mm -hmm. to also in McCormick Place which is definitely easier to get to so that's yes. something that the Bears yeah that the Bears organization as a whole are gonna have to think about because. If you're talking about going all the way to uh, Arlington, yeah. you know, where it's not going to be very conducive, you just forget it. Yep, I agree. Uh, here's the thing, Lakina. I get it from a business sense that if you move to Arlington Heights, yes, we talked about the land. But on the other hand, you don't want to deal with politicians, whoever is mayor uh, uh, in that seat. We're talking about the mayor of the city of Chicago. I know from that aspect, you don't have to deal with that anymore. You don't own that land. The Park District currently owns, you know, Soldier Field. But if you're the mayor, mayor of our, our of Arlington Heights, I don't know who that person is, but okay. if you're the mayor of, uh, of Arlington Heights, you love this because what are you known for besides the racetrack, besides being a rich suburb, no disrespect? But you're not really known for anything. You can build hotels up there. You can build, uh, I'm sure, a little bit more restaurants or casinos as they get more legalized, hopefully soon, in Illinois. Uh, you can make it up a mini playground. But from the business aspect, I uh, I get it. And if you're the Bears, you control everything, unlike now because you're in the city of Chicago where the Park District owns that land. But you're, you're – the base of your ticket fan base may love it because 
is in, in their surrounding areas. But if you're a season ticket holder in the in the metro in the in the actual city, the city of Chicago, are you gonna hop on 294 or 290 or any other expressway and go up there on a bad day? Even though it, I wouldn't. Maybe yeah, I'm I, looking at it wrong. I don't know. Well, look, I, I like to see <laughs> no, what. I, I mean, I like to see how Tom Hayes. He's the mayor of Arlington Heights. I want to see how he feels about okay. this because I know he he said that he wants to you know find some exciting you know how to use that pro that particular property. But yeah, I, I, I want to. I guarantee like, they ain't gonna let that go to waste. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm sure. Look, I don't know. If, look, I, I'm look. He's a sports fan from what I from what I can read. And look, I don't think he's has said whether or not he will mind the Bears you know playing there. But I, I think. Look, I'm sure they'll work something out and perhaps may redevelop that that particular land over at Soldier Field. But, you know, it's definitely something, something uh, to think about. And, look we're, look, we're not Houston. I mean, we're not Dallas, I should say. We're not. Look, Indy, they play in the middle of downtown. So they they, they, they found yeah. a way to make it work. So why can't the Bears? And still, the Chicago. If you, oh, yeah, if you notice, most of these new stadiums now are, are in centralized downtown areas where – the majority of your, your fan base can get to wherever you come from, like the United Center, to a lesser extent, Comiskey Park. Yeah, I said Comiskey. I'm not calling that corporate-ass name <laughs> for the White Sox. And you can get to Wrigley, even though it's on the north side. Many, Most uh, people can get to Wrigley Field, okay? I'm going to say if you put the stadium in Arlington Heights, you get a Final Four. You get a Super Bowl. But really, if you're the city of Chicago, assuming that the arena is built, whoever is the mayor there, do you really want that business going out of the city of Chicago? No, you exactly. don't. Exactly. Example, last year's NBA All-Star game. I know the NBA takes over your town wherever you get an All-Star weekend, okay? Do you really think that all those events that were held around the city of Chicago, Lakina, if had those uh, events were in the suburbs or in Arlington Heights where the actual game was played, assuming that the United, let's just say the United Center was in Vernon Hills or Arlington Heights, do you think it would have had the same feel? No. Or in Evanston. No. I mean, no way. No way. So, look, I mean, it's nice to talk about, but I don't think it's going to – I don't know how you feel about it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think so either. All right. Real quick before we wrap up, a special shout-out to the Blackhawks. Yay. You know, Yay. Oh, my goodness. They continue to play better. It'd be fun to watch. They beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 2 nothing on Thursday Malcolm Supan had 26 saves, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, you know, mm -hmm. he had a nice showing, too. Of course, Kaner did, you know, his, you know, another great goal. No spins this time, but it was a really great, great goal that kind of, you know, that was a goal ahead. 399 and counting. I know, right? 399, and, you know, by the time we reconvene on Monday, maybe he will get to 400 career goals. We'll see. Hopefully. They Hopefully. got a back-to-back -back against Detroit at, at the UC. I'm sure, yeah, I'm it sure should be a two-game sweep. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll get it. So, you know, congrats to him. And also, to the Blackhawks are – you know, they're kind of like right there in that particular part of the division. So they're playing. And so I'm look, I'm not saying that they're going to be a playoff team, mm -hmm. but I look, I think they're making, they're making them, you know, interesting and they're, they're being confident and confident. So they're, they're a place in the central. So you gotta be feeling pretty yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. We'll break down more of the Blackhawks um, with their games against Detroit this weekend on our next podcast for Tuesday. But I'll say this, what helps the Hawks right now is the division that they're playing in this year. I know that their schedule gets tougher in the month of March. I know you got a three-game series at the UC against the Tampa Bay Lightning in there for three straight days, three straight games, I should say. So you better collect the wins now because it's going to get tougher. But you should be encouraged by what you're seeing on the IC right now.
Absolutely. So on that note, you follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan underscore McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter and the Instagram at SidKid80. Once again, at SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow this show, Sega City Sports, along the other podcast programming uh, by simply typing in your search engine box, War or Anger, which keeps you over to Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple, Google Play, and that iHeartRadio app. Where where wherever you download your podcast, make sure you type in that search engine box, W-A-R-R on Anchor. And we're also on YouTube at War Media. Once again, at W-A-R-R Media on YouTube. You can not only listen to us, but watch us do our thing live. And go to our website, weareregalradio.com, W-E-A-R-E-R-E-G-A-L-Radio.com. And we also like to, uh, once again, thank Jordan Burnfield from WGN Radio, ESPN, NBC Sports Chicago, and also to the Big Ten Network for joining us. Mm-hmm. We'll, you know, hopefully we'll have them on again. I promise, Jordan, we're not going to have you. We're not going to wait long before we have you on again. But, <laughs> but uh, look, it was great, you know, having him on, and you know, a real great insight as always with him. And listen, guys, I know it's a little warm out, you know, a little warm out, but let's not, you know, wear our bathing suits or just yet. You know, let, let's slow down here. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, what, we can wear our hoodies, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So. Yes. <laughs> yes, we can. So first said, I'm the Kansas of Texas Sports Zoom. Oh, oh, you know what? Oh, before we uh, wrap up, um, you know, our best wishes and get well soon to Tiger Woods, you know, yes. the horrible yes. car accident earlier this week. He has a long road to recovery and you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about it, you know, you know, on, on Tuesday, but you know, we just want to send out you know our best wishes to him and you know get well soon and you know, good luck on his long, long rehab because it's gonna you know it's gonna be a long one. Yes, just thankful he's alive right now. I could give less than you know about his golf career right now. He's done more than enough on that, but it's, it's about the game of life. So, like you said, we're thinking about him. He has a long world ahead, but I have no doubts that he'll make it. Absolutely. So, uh, wash your hands, folks. Wear your mask and keep your distance and be good to each other. This is Texas Sports Zoom style, and we'll see you on Tuesday. Till next time, holla. <laughs>